Renegade Broadcasting. Hard-hitting talk radio. Welcome to the Solar Storm. This is your host, Kyle Hunt, coming to you September 19th, 2021. Thank you so much for joining me here at RenegadeBroadcasting.com. Please check out what we've got over at RenegadeTribune.com, where we've been going up in the rankings recently. A lot of great traffic happening over there, a lot of interaction, a lot of commenters. Not all of them great, but some good ones. And some good contributors as well. So a big thanks to everybody who helps to make Renegade Tribune a success. Big things coming for Renegade in general. I do have some plans here to potentially bring this show, The Solar Storm, to a video format. But I want to do it right. So if you want to support our efforts, there is a P.O. box where you can send your support. There's also some crypto options for you as well really would appreciate it. it it helps me to keep going keep plugging away day after day especially if you haven't supported in any way before if you can't financially support think about submitting an article think about sharing the different articles and shows that we have and just helping out however you can really we are listener and reader supported so that is absolutely crucial that people pitch in. All right. We also have heathenherbs.com, a huge moneymaker. Actually, not not really. Uh, it's very costly putting together all natural products, but they are good for you, good for your family, good for the environment, and we can ship them out very quickly. So check out what we've got at heathenherbs.com. Sinead has a little Spotify player over there as well if you want to support her music. Okay. Today, I'm going to be going over some of the same general uh, ideas, the same topics that we cover most weeks here on the show. Nothing too esoteric, no great symbolic breakdown like I've done in the past. Those shows are really, really fun, but honestly, I'm just not inspired to do them right now when we're facing so many existential threats on so many different fronts. So let's start off with the racial aspect here. How white people are obviously being genocided and everybody's ganging up on the world stage to take out whitey and to 
really wage psychological warfare against white people in addition to all of the other ways that were being attacked with the invasions and everything. But psychological warfare is one of the things that enables all the rest of the things to take place. We wouldn't allow ourselves to be invaded. We wouldn't allow ourselves to be, uh, to be browbeaten at every turn, to be uh, marginalized, to be kicked out of different jobs because of a diversity push if we weren't first psychologically attacked. And so, of course, they went and achieved this psycho- uh, psychological attack. You could think, you know, going all the way back to Christianity, perhaps, there's no Jew, no Greek, no Gentile, no man or woman, you know, that kind of garbage. You know, that really didn't help white people out too much. Turn the other cheek, love your enemy, all of that. But then you look at what um, happened in the 20th century with the psychoanalysts like Freud and his nephew, <clears throat> what, double nephew Bernays, and, <clears throat> and his uh, employment of propaganda to really influence the masses. And then you look at the Frankfurt School, you look at the F scale that uh, they came up with, all the cultural Marxism. This has been documented time and again, so I'm not going to really go over it. But let's take a look at what's happening today uh, in regard to this attack on white people. We have the World Economic Forum telling the U.S. that telling U.S. colleges to re-educate the racists among us, as if U.S. colleges were not anti-white enough. All right, so this comes from Campus Reform. The World Economic Forum published an article last week arguing that colleges re-educate the racists among us to end racism on university campuses. Oh, because, you know, really, university campuses are just bastions of white racism. And that's what they're talking about when they refer to racism. Because if you really wanted to get rid of racism on university campuses, you would ban things like critical race theory, you would ban all these different ethnic studies that just blame white people for all of the problems of the world. Yeah, you get rid of all of the uh, Judeo-Marxists. They write, Fighting racism demands confrontation at all levels on college campuses by uprooting racist institutional designs inherent in campus-wide admission systems, recruitment, scholarships, cultures, and histories. Researchers from the KAIST Korea Policy Center for the Fourth Industrial Revolution wrote, Oh, the Fourth Industrial Revolution. That is great. I I just love Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. The World Economic Forum is an organization that advocates for cooperation among the the world's largest governments and corporations. Isn't it just great? The the governments and corporations of the world are saying, We've just got to eradicate white racists. It's also known for its Great Reset series, a provocation to redesign the global economy following COVID-19 and the lockdown-induced global recession. So, real quickly here, it's just insane that they write about uprooting racist institutional designs inherent in campus-wide emission systems. Are you talking about affirmative action, hiring, and uh, uh, admissions? Is that what you're talking about? Because on these university campuses... They have affirmative action hiring for professors and staff, and they are looking to bring in as much diversity, i.e. less white people, as possible. The racist institutional design, but I don't think that's what they're talking about. I don't think that the scholarships and recruiting efforts that are solely dedicated to black and brown students are really what they're talking about here. So what the hell are they talking about? Can you please give me some really concrete 
examples of this systemic white racism that is inherent in college admissions is I'd really be interested in knowing. I do know that Jews are disproportionately represented at especially the Ivy League institutions. Anyway, let's just move on from that. It's great the World Economic Forum really joining in on the assault against white people. I mean, just look at the Great Reset. Just look at everything that they've been doing with all the COVID-19 and, of course, what they planned with Event 201. And it, it's not looking good. They want to turn us all into cyborgs. Legitimately, they want to turn us into cyborgs. That is one of their stated goals. Merging human and technology. Why should we listen to them about anything at all? It's just so insane that the members of the World Economic Forum have been locked up. Why can't we live in a sane world where these kind of people are, are punished, not, not listened to for advice? Oh, but see, they have a lot of money and they have a lot of power, so that means we have to listen to them. Okay, so let's take a look at how this push for diversity has affected the English touring opera. They have recently fired half the orchestra that they have simply just for being white. Not because they were doing a bad job or anything, but half of their orchestra is just gone. And these are some longtime members uh, because, well, they're white people and they don't deserve to get a paycheck for playing music. This is from Classic FM. English touring opera has dropped half its orchestral players in a push for diversity. At least 14 musicians have been told that they will not be booked for the 2022 ETO tour, many of them long-running members of the orchestra. The ETO has attributed the changes to prioritizing increased diversity in the orchestra, something that's in line with firm guidance of the Arts Council. Of course, we know increased diversity. It's just a euphemism for less white people. Which is, uh, You've really got the situation where you're trying to starve people out. How can white people have families? How can white people reproduce when we're getting fired from jobs just for being white? When we can't even support ourselves, let alone children, because white people are no longer welcome in the workforce, essentially. Yeah, white people can still get some jobs, but you have to take a look at this from the large-scale perspective. When you're taking resources away from white people and giving them to other people, well, you're going to end up with a genocidal situation. So there are very few places that white people are welcome to work anymore. Maybe some construction jobs, but I'm sure that they're, they're getting overwhelmed as well by all the people flooding over the borders. So this is happening all the time now across almost every single sector, but there's no uproar really about this push just to destroy people's livelihoods, white people's livelihoods, just based solely on their race. Isn't this inherently racist? No, actually, it's racist to oppose it, I guess. That's, that's the world we live in. The Musicians Union is apparently sticking up for these orchestra members who were fired in the diversity push. They wrote, there has been an understandable outcry from Musicians Union members in response to this news today. It comes in an especially devastating time for the freelance community and musicians in general as so many struggling with little work and income during COVID-19. While the MU lauds efforts to increase diversity in the workplace, the union is adamant this should be achieved fairly and legitimately, not by sacking half an orchestra. But listen... Anytime you have affirmative action hiring, there is no fairness. There is only race-based discrimination against white people. White people being unfairly denied gainful employment. 
i.e. white genocide. How can people not understand that it's wrong to go out of your way to impoverish white people? It, well, see, it's it's reparations for... Well, no, actually, it's not reparations. Reparations are money that we're going to have to extract from you later down the line when we have official reparations. But it's making amends. It's kind of like atoning for past racism and privileges and stuff. So we're just taking your privilege down a notch. That's all. Don't worry about it. <laughs> maybe you'll get maybe you'll get a a universal basic in- income at some point. I I know we excluded white people from uh, UBIs out there in the Bay Area when we tested it out, but you know uh, maybe in the future we'll if you're a good goy we'll be willing to give you a few shekels, just a few. You know enough to enough to buy some ramen noodle down there at the store. You know <laughs> you'll be able to eat something. Okay, so the Arts Council, which the English Touring Opera had cited as being an inspiration for firing half their orchestra, they were saying, "Hey, hold up! We did not tell we did not tell the ETO to fire half its orchestra in order to achieve diversity. Uh, we don't want this backlash coming against us." They wrote in a statement. We did not instruct the English Touring Opera to send this letter. We are now in conversation with ETO to ensure no funding criteria have been breached. So. I know that this sounds like a small story, and, and it is. It's a drop in the bucket of, you know, what's going on. But this is just an example of how white genocide is unfolding in everyday life. White people are being denied employment just because we're white, and it's got to stop. And not, not even pro-white. You know, it should be illegal to deny somebody uh, employment for being pro-white, but that's not even what we're talking about. We're just talking about being white. That's the level we're getting to here. You're fired. Why? Oh, because you're white. We got to make room for some more diversity. Now we got this professor Derek Hook up at there at uh, Duke Duquesne University. I don't even know how to say that. I know it's in Canada, right? His name is Professor Derek Hook. Knows. I mean Derek Hook, who I'm pretty sure is Jewish. He specializes in post-colonial theory and psychology of racism. And he's come out and said that uh, white people should commit suicide as an ethical act. Actually, he didn't say that himself. But he said that there's some merit to this idea. And he was just, you know, summarizing what somebody else had, had written. And he's saying, well, there's some merit there. Now, the university had to release a statement about how Derek was totally taken out of context. Don't believe these racists and all that. You know, he's a, he's a good guy, great guy, does amazing work. But he's not being taken out of context in this clip at all. He legitimately says that there's merit to the idea that white people should commit suicide as an ethical act. This is part of that psychological warfare that I've been telling you about. And white people are committing suicide uh, at an alarming rate. And even if it's not deliberate, just think about uh, how many people, how many white people have lost their lives basically because of the Jewish Sackler family and all the opioids that they pushed upon them. Think about the, all of the deaths of despair because white people aren't able to be employed gainfully anymore and they're, they're turning to the bottle. They're completely depressed. It's just so sick. And then you've got this guy here saying that, oh yeah, white people should commit suicide. Let's take a listen. And because this was a world truth embed, 
it will probably take about, hmm, I don't know, a minute for the clip to start playing. So we'll get to listen to that uh, in a little bit, right? <laughs> oh, very annoying. How annoying to have this be the one of the last sites that we can that even white use. white people should commit suicide as an ethical act. And here's a, a quote from him directly. The reality in South Africa today is that most white people spend their whole lives only engaging black South Africans in subservient positions. My question is then how can a person not be racist if that's the way they live their lives? The only way then for white people to become part of Africa is not to exist as white people anymore. If the goal is to dismantle white supremacy and white supremacy is white culture, then the goal has to be, has to, be to dismantle white culture and ultimately white people themselves. The total integration into Africa by white people will also automatically then mean the death of white people as white as a concept would not exist anymore. So here's the kind of crazy gambit um, of this talk. I want to suggest that psychoanalytically, we could even make the argument that there was something ethical in Delport's statements. Now, I suppose, you know, parenthetically, we could say that Delport's kind of a, a young, fired-up academic, and maybe, you know, there's a little bit uh, too much of a dramatization in some of his, his comments. But nevertheless, I want to make the allegations. Um, I think that Delport took his white audience to the threshold of a type of symbolic extinction, or at least the contemplation of what that might be. He took them to a proposed end of whiteness, or in more psychoanalytic terms, we could say, or in most psychoanalytic terms, another euphemism for white genocide. So the, the slide was even titled, white people should commit suicide as an ethical act. That's what he's talking about here. This is just white genocide propaganda. It, it's just perfect. And you know what? Uh, I mean, is that not what's taking place with this genocide is basically they're getting white people to take their own lives. They're, they're white people are being goaded. Oh yeah, go on, go on. Just, just do something suicidal. Mix your genes, mix with the other races, uh, open your borders, uh, ref welcome the refugees. And we got to welcome all these Haitians flooding over the Southern border. Now, don't we? You see about this one? You see about the tens of thousands of Haitians that are, are hiding under a bridge or that were being hidden under a bridge and, uh, you know, more to come, more crossing all the time. Yeah, actually, Fox News, I guess, was flying a drone over the area and taking a look at what was going on. Then the then Biden's FAA uh, made it illegal, quickly banned any drones from flying around there because they didn't want uh, the American people to know what was going on with an army of Haitians flooding into the country. And real quickly here... Haitians have got to be some of the worst of the worst, to be honest. These are the descendants of the people who slaughtered every last white person on the island of Haiti. These are people who do not live in any kind of civilized way whatsoever, and it's not because of white racism. In fact, white people have gone in and tried to fix up Haiti time and time again. And here's the thing, a lot of these people, a lot of these Haitians who are flooding over the southern border right now aren't even from Haiti recently. Yeah, originally they were from Haiti, but then they moved and went to places like Chile and other uh, Central and South American countries, apparently. And what they're doing now is that they've heard that Biden was offering asylum, refuge, to Haitians after the assassination that took place there recently. So they all got plane tickets up to Mexico and were trying to come into the country to claim asylum. And the administration's basically saying, oh, we, don't, we didn't invite them in. <laughs> so 
we've got a, a pretty bad situation uh, occurring down there. And what's going on with a lot of the people that cross the southern border is that they go over to the based Catholic charities. Oh, yeah, Catholics are so based. Oh, what the Catholic charities do is they then ship these guys all around the country, although they have been basically directed to uh, not send them to, like, I guess you call them liberal strongholds. Now, well, not to D.C., not to places like California. They say the cost of living is a little too high. We're going to ship you into these rural white areas. Yeah, and you see what ends up happening when you've got a bunch of low IQ Africans running amok and, and taking over white people's jobs as well. Well, it's not good. Remember the case of the Somali cop who who shot the woman in Minneapolis? Yeah, he's actually, he could be free soon. So he shot this Australian dual citizen American, this blonde woman, and uh, he, he's getting away with it. All right, so this is actually from RT, not an endorsement, of course. And they write, the Minnesota, Minnesota Supreme Court has overturned the th third degree murder conviction of a former Minneapolis police officer who shot an unarmed Australian woman dead. The ex-cop will now be sentenced for manslaughter instead. Mohammed Noor, a Somali-American police officer, was convicted in 2019 of third-degree murder and second-degree manslaughter for fatally shooting Justine Ruskic, Rusick Damond on the night of July 15, 2017. Damond, a dual citizen of Australia and the U.S., had called to report a possible sexual assault taking place outside her home. Nor shot her dead as she approached his squad car. Oh, he feared for her life from this blonde woman, yeah. Nor was acquitted of second-degree murder in his trial, but was found guilty of third-degree murder and manslaughter and sentenced to 12 and a half years behind bars for the former offense. How can this guy, I know he's a cop, but how can you just go around and just murder innocent people and get off like this, even with the 12 and a half years that he was originally sentenced to. However, Minnesota's Supreme Court reversed that conviction on Wednesday, ruling that in order for a third craved mind. During his 2019 trial, Noor's lawyers argued that he feared for his patrol partner's life as Damon approached their squad car in the dark alley outside her home, raising her hand outside the driver's side window of the vehicle. Prosecutors argued that Noor jumped to using lethal force without assessing the situation first. So, uh, Noor's case will now go back to a lower court where he will be sentenced for the second-degree manslaughter conviction. He was already ser serving 22 months for murder. That's what he served. And with that time subtracted from a likely four-year sentence for manslaughter, the former cop could be eligible for supervised release at the end of this year, CBS News reported. Until Derek Chauvin was found guilty this year of murdering George Floyd, Noor was the only Minnesota police officer ever convicted for killing somebody in the line of duty. Unlike Floyd, Noor was defended by activists who argued that he was unfairly punished due to his ethnicity. The American Civil Liberties Union, an organization that argues that is completely ethical and actually promotes civil rights to have mandatory vaccines. The ACLU is a freaking joke and needs to be disbanded immediately. But they, they said uh, they aggressively pushed for a conviction in the Chauvin case, but they argued in the case of Noor that the blonde, blue-eyed, white Damon was the ideal victim by which prosecutors could take advantage of racist tropes to secure a conviction of Noor. Oh, his civil liberties are being, are being abused because it was a white, blonde woman he murdered. 
how about her civil liberties? How about her life being taken? Jeez, absolutely sickening what is taking place in this country and around the world. Uh, now let's take a look at uh, a brief story here that should just go to show you where Anonymous, the hacktivist group, stands. Now, Ars Technica had published an article and that was picked up by Wired. And the title of this is Anonymous Leaked a Bunch of Data from a Right-Wing Web Host. And they're talking about Epic. So Anonymous hacked into Epic, uh, which hosts things like the Texas GOP, Parlor, Parler, 8chan, and a, a bunch of other sites that are, you know, kind of right-wing. But they hacked in there because, oh, these people are, these people are white supremacists and you got neo-Nazis and we're going to expose them. So in this article, they never go in and talk about how what, what uh, Anonymous did was illegal because, oh, it's justified. It's great. They're basically celebrating this illegal act of hacking in there and then exposing all of this sensitive information to the public. It's just so uh, amazing what is excused in this country, as long as it's attacking white people. Now, I, I'm, I don't care about the right wing and the GOP and parlor and all that crap, but it's just, it just goes to show where Anonymous and organizations like Ars Technica and Wired actually stand in all of this. Now, here's the thing. Epic is not our friend either. Epic has put out all of these statements about how they won't they won't stand for hate, you know. We're gonna we're gonna stop hosting hate and all this other crap about, uh, you know, how they. I think they yeah, so they took down uh, the National Socialist Movement, their website. They used to be hosted at Epic, but anybody that was hosted there, all of their information seems to have been completely uh, doxxed, put out there to the public, and. Apparently, this was very easy to do, and just a couple weeks prior to this big data breach, somebody had reached out to Rob Monster on LinkedIn and said, listen, I found a vulnerability. Uh, basically, anybody was able to insert code into their server and run these command lines on their server, so that's probably how it happened, but I guess Rob just ignored the message. So, yeah, they're absolutely screwed, anybody that was hosting there or had a domain name registered there. But you know who hasn't been uh, been hacked is actually Zensorfree. So if you want a website, and if you mention Renegade Tribune, I'm pretty sure you still get uh, six months of web hosting for free. So that's Zensorfree, which is German for censorship-free. Uh, and you can go sign up for a, an account over there where I guess the security is just a little bit better. Okay, right, we've, we've had good experiences hosting our sites on there, and we get attacked all of the damn time. All right, let's take a look at a few stories here, which just seem to be absolute bogus. Probably just these, uh, you know, false flagging type events, FBI setups and things like that. We're seeing a lot more of that, uh, you know, all the time, just to try to blame white people. Here we go. Here's an article from the U.S. Sun. Capital crime. Man with knives and machete and truck graffiti graffitied with swastikas arrested near Democrat HQ after saying he's on patrol. Really? He, his truck was just graffitied with swastikas. Oh, okay. A man who allegedly had multiple knives, including a machete, was arrested near the DNC headquarters. Donald Craighead, 44, was arrested for possession of prohibited weapons around midnight on Monday. 
always just got swastikas all over the place. This is so cool. And the license plate was replaced by an American flag. <laughs> a lot of, you know, white supremacists and neo-Nazis, they don't like the American flag. They're not going to have the American flag as, as their license plate. It just doesn't make any sense. Why wouldn't you have, why wouldn't you have a, a big swastika there? It's probably just to, you know, put him in with all of these different, uh, you know, patriot groups and militias and stuff. Just try to, try to smear everybody at the same time. All right, so then let's take a look at another story. It's kind of like this. From Vice, neo-Nazi and KKK fanboy built pipe bombs with uranium from eBay. So we got some uranium from eBay, and he was building pipe bombs. So there's really just one specific paragraph in here that should tell you all you need to know about what was going on here. Because if you just look at what the FBI's done with so many of these fake terror plots that they set up, they take somebody who's mentally handicapped, and then they just set him up. So, here we read, On the 26th of August, teachers called the local cops for assistance after the 26-year-old student, who reportedly has significant developmental disabilities, announced to his class that he had successfully built four pipe bombs and loaded them with radioactive dust used in scientific experiments that he had purchased from eBay. Is this story real? If it is, the FBI must have, have set this guy up. This is just their M.O., taking somebody with significant de developmental disabilities and convincing them that's a good idea to build some fake bombs and stuff. Yeah, that's... How many times has that happened? Okay, so let's shift gears just a little bit now, and we'll start talking about the vaccine nonsense and the, the health crisis that's taking place around the world now and being used as an excuse for the most tyrannical measures you can imagine. I, I saw this little image. I thought I'd lead out with it. Dear vaccinated, we did not take your freedom. The government did. We are not holding your freedoms at ransom. The government is. If we are a danger to you, then your vaccine doesn't work. If it does, then you should already be free. The government has lied to you. How simple is that? How easy to understand is that? We're not the ones causing the problems here because we're not taking the injection. It's the government doing it. And who's killing these people? People are dying. I am not arguing that people are not falling sick and dying. I think they're falling sick from the vaccine and vaccine shedding. And I think that they're dying from the protocols that these hospitals put them on. I've, I've seen a lot of people talking about you know how remdesivir is killing people and all, a lot of these other drug cocktails that they're they're using but here's what's absolutely crazy you remember all the people who put on respirators ventilators what happens is that they would then be dosed with a, a cocktail of different things opiates antipsychotics and benzos they would give these people fentanyl and i published a, a, a little piece about this over at renegade tribune where they go through some of these drug protocols, and you're just thinking, why, why would you depress the respiratory system of somebody who's having respiratory problems? Why would you give them anti-schizophrenic uh, drugs like Haldol? What the hell is going on? All, uh, most of these drugs are, are going to suppress, they're going to depress the respiratory system. 
what is what is taking place here? This is why people are dying. This is why ventilators have been killing people. Ventilators destroying their lungs to begin with. And then you've got all these drugs being given to them, which are going to suppress their respiratory system. This is medical murder. All of the vaccine, the vaccine damages, medical murder. It needs to be called out for what it is. But people are so trusting of those in the white lab coats. This is what they found out with that uh, Jew Milgram and his experiments. Yeah, people are willing to kill each other. If, if the experiments were real, you know, Milgram's experiments about compliance to an authority figure, if those studies were actually real, people are willing to kill each other as long as, as long as a person in a white lab coat said it was okay to do. Yep, let's turn that dial, that shock all the way up to lethal because the guy in the lab coat told me to keep going. That's what's taking place at a mass scale right now. And I think another thing that's taking place is a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome where we're being held captive by our governments and you've got so many people just thinking that the governments are the, the heroes, that they're the ones who are save, going to save us. They're, they have to do this. See, see, we got to take their side because, I mean, they're put in this difficult position. They're trying to help us. They're trying to help us get free. No, they're the ones who have taken your freedoms. What little freedoms that you had left. Take a look at this article from the uh, conservative treehouse, even though I am not a conservative and I don't want to be in a treehouse with these guys. But the article is titled, Why did the CDC stop recording vaccine breakthrough cases in the U.S. on May 1st? Today we got the obvious answer. They want to push booster vaccines. All right, so let's go through this article a little bit. A breakthrough case is the term for a person infected with COVID-19 after they've been vaccinated. On May 1st, the CDC changed the recording and record-keeping of COVID-19 breakthrough cases and stopped tracking them. The change was announced July 30th. The CDC currently monitors hospitalizations and deaths from any cause among fully vaccinated individuals with COVID-19, but not breakthrough infections, which it stopped monitoring as of May 1st. CDC presents this data in aggregate at the national level, but not by state, and there is no single public repository for data by state or data on breakthrough infections since the CDC stopped monitoring them. Also, what they've done to try to skew the data is that they have only considered somebody fully vaccinated if they've uh, had, it's been two weeks, I think, since their second booster, since their second shot. So if you get sick after your first vaccination, uh, you're still an unvaccinated individual in the data. If you get sick after your second vaccination, you're still an unvaccinated individual. The only time you can actually be considered a vaccinated individual uh, is if you've had the, you know, it's been two weeks since your second vaccine or something along those lines. And they're just cooking the books to, in order to push this uh, poison. At the time the CDC stopped tracking the incidence of vaccinated persons contracting COVID-19 and being hospitalized, many people wondered why. Obviously, if you stop recording vaccinated persons who are hospitalized, it will look like only unvaccinated persons are being hospitalized by the variants in the CDC records. That skews the data and gives the false impression that only unvaxxed persons are getting infected and or sick. 
which is exactly what happened. The medical industry and media narrative around the COVID-19 Delta variant was that unvaccinated people in the U.S. were the majority group at risk. The data supported that narrative because the breakthrough cases were no longer being recorded. This makes the vaccine approach look better. The approach of not counting the breakthrough case hospitalizations also makes the pharmaceutical companies look better. Their vaccine looks more appealing and more effective. However, another angle surfaced today that highlights the strength of the motive to stop uh, recording those breakthrough cases. It also explains why some of the top leadership in the FDA quit their jobs rather than participate. When the FDA vaccine approval panel was originally instructed to use the efficacy data with the goal of evaluating the booster shot request for the Pfizer vaccination, they were instructed to only look at the data from the U.S. Knowing the CDC no longer was tracking U.S. breakthrough cases, that meant the FDA vaccine approval panel was only evaluating the Pfizer efficacy and hospitalization issue around the non-vaccinated group. If this approach had been maintained, they would be making a determination of vaccine efficacy effectiveness in the U.S. with the key metric omitted. The Pfizer vaccine would look more effective than it actually was because the vaccinated and hospitalized metric was removed. I think you get where we're going with that, so we don't need to go any further. So uh, a country where you can look to see that the vaccine is actually the, the cause of infection is Mongolia. If you look at what happened with Mongolia, it was touted as a huge success with so very few COVID deaths in the first year of the pandemic. But then after mass vaccinations took place, they now lead the world in COVID cases and have much higher death rates. So there's actually a chart that you could try to find. It might be a little bit hard because this information is being suppressed. You see the total vaccinations of the country spike up and then a little while later you see the total covid deaths skyrocket right behind it i mean it's just so obvious if if the vaccines did what they were promised to do which would which was to make the covid cases go down you would see vaccination rates go up and covid cases go down instead what you see is vaccination rates go up and covid cases go up as well huh Huh, isn't that strange? Isn't that curious? These people who are pushing this on us need to be held accountable. They need to be um, drawn in, not drawn and quartered. They may be drawn and quartered. I, I don't know the legal system. I, I, I'm not speaking, I'm not telling anybody to go draw and quarter anybody or tar and feather anybody because that could, that could lead to somebody's death. If you tar and feather them, that could kill somebody, Okay. But I'm just saying, if we brought back the practice of tarring and feathering people, perhaps these public servants would serve the public just a little bit more. I'm not saying to do it, people. I'm just saying if I saw a public servant who has been poisoning people tarred and feathered, I wouldn't be upset. But don't do it. Don't you, don't you dare. Listener, and FBI listening to me, don't you dare think that I am advocating for anybody to do anything illegal. Just because I would chuckle at seeing Anthony Fauci tarred and feathered doesn't mean that I'm calling for that to happen. Only if it was done legally, okay? A legal tarring and feathering. Then I'd have no objections. <laughs> All right, let's look at what's happening uh, in this New York hospital. You probably saw this this week. They have to pause baby deliveries because a bunch of staffers have quit over the vaccine mandate. 
And so instead of getting rid of some of the <clears throat> other things that they do at this hospital, like poisoning people with pharmaceutical drugs, they decided instead, hey, we don't really care about new life. We just care about killing people here. So no more babies being born. You'd think that you could just maybe say, uh, we can't enforce this vaccine requirement. We're losing all the staff. We can't even deliver babies anymore. Uh, no, they're, you know, they're just going to go by with uh, less staff and uh, cut, cut out an unnecessary thing like children being born at the hospital. But I'll tell you this. Those children be, probably have a much better success rate if they were born at home because the United States is terrible absolutely terrible for uh, newborn babies the mortality of newborn babies and their mothers. Unfortunately, a lot of these uh, mothers who are going to be giving birth will go to just another hospital instead of doing it at home and it's just it's not a place you want to go to bring life into this world. In certain countries, it's probably, it's a little bit better, but the whole system needs to be overhauled. It'd be great if you actually had people there around you assisting with birth, but that is not the case with these institutions. It is all big money-making scheme, and they do not care about your overall health and well-being or that of the child. Sinead and I have, have talked about this quite a bit, especially years ago. I'm not going to go over it, but just an interesting development there uh, with this hospital out of New York. All right, let's move now to what's happening to children. Yeah. So a big question is when will COVID-19 vaccines be available for kids under 12 years old? Everybody wants to know. Everybody's banging on the door saying, come on, we want our little children vaxxed up. They shouldn't be denied this life-saving treatment. So here's an article from Forbes. When will COVID-19 vaccines be available for kids under 12 years old? Kids are people too. <laughs> people without rights, I guess. They have noses, mouths, lungs, and other body parts and can catch and spread severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus too, just like adults can. Therefore, one big question in the U.S.'s current struggle against the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic is when kids under 12 years of age will be able to get vaccinated. After all, you may be fully vaccinated, your significant other may be fully vaccinated, your 16-year-old boy who no longer thinks that you're cool may be fully vaccinated, but as long as you've got unvaccinated people running around the house, you've got to maintain other stringent COVID-19 precautions. Yes, you may have to tell your 7-year-old, bruh, you're already holding all of us back. You're really holding all of us back, bruh. Yeah, you're going to tell your 7-year-old, bruh, I hate how they write this. This is just so stupid. That's because unvaccinated people, no matter how small they may be, remain at much, much, much higher risk of getting infected with the virus, suffering bad consequences from infection, and infecting you and others with the virus that, uh, than those who are fully vaccinated. Can you cite your statistics here? Cite the real studies. Instead of saying much, much, much higher, can you give me some real facts and figures? I'm not seeing any footnotes in this article. I'm not seeing any links to studies. But uh, you just got to trust Forbes. Yeah, they wouldn't lie to us, guys. These people wouldn't lie to us. So then they go on to talk about uh, how... Oh, God, they reference Baby Shark. This is just ridiculous. Recently, the COVID-19 coronavirus has been spreading among kids seemingly faster than that Baby Shark did. So Baby Shark song did in 2018. Oh, and yeah, the big increase is because parents got vaccinated. They're shedding all of these spike proteins and whatever else is in these things to their children. 
So they do- talk about how they're preparing to uh, start doing some clinical trials on, you know, six-month-olds uh, and up. Yeah, once you hit six months old, you should be able to handle some uh, some mRNA uh, technology being injected into your body. Yeah, just totally hijack the whole uh, whole system of the body. Install a new operating system, as they've said. So that's a big push. The big push now is that they want six-month-olds to be injected. And they're going to make a decision about this, uh, apparently, by this winter. So, something to look forward to, huh? Okay, over there in Colorado, uh, children are being abused uh, by being forced to wear masks all day in school. Actually, they're being abused everywhere by, by being forced. Uh, but over in Colorado, teachers uh, can actually be arrested in the Tri-County Health, uh, uh, Tri-County region. So, the, the Tri-County Health Department has a mask mandate, and these teachers and staff members or administrators at the school can be arrested, imprisoned for a year and fined $5,000 if they don't force these students to keep their masks on. I don't know how they're expected to force these students to keep their masks on, but if they don't get these students to comply, they can be arrested by the police, imprisoned for a year, and fined $5,000. Let's listen to this news report. This is so absurd. It's so sickening. The superintendent of Littleton Public Schools warns educators that if they don't enforce tri-county mask mandates, schools could be shut down and they could face serious penalties. Our political specialist, Sean Boyd, is live now outside a Parker Elementary. should not have to wear a mask, but this is something totally different, Sean. Yeah, Alan, this is about teachers and administrators being arrested, charged, and prosecutors prosecuted not only if they themselves don't wear a mask, but if they don't force their students to wear a mask. Tri-County Health Department is requiring school employees to enforce its mask mandate for the health department if they don't. Tri-County says it's a class one misdemeanor under state law punishable by up to a year in jail and $5,000 fine. Parents are now suing. I am not an anti-masker. I fully support anything that we can do. What I am against is abusing the power of the teachers against their will, against the will of the children, against the will of the people. Tara Cole among the parents suing Tri-County Health Department after she says teachers at Pine Grove Elementary School refused to let her son inside unless he wore a mask. There was about 30 kids behind him lined up, his friends, our neighbors, people that he cares about. He was made to be humiliated in front of all of them. I saw him cowering in the corner in tears, covering his face. Cole says Tri-County Health is to blame for what she calls a culture of fear and intimidation after it issued a mask mandate that she says turns teachers into law enforcers. I do not expect teachers and principals to put their job on the line for something like this. Parents not the only ones concerned. The attorney for Littleton Public Schools warned the Board of Education teachers and administrators could be arrested and jailed if they don't enforce the health department's mask mandate. We can all be held criminally liable um, for not enforcing um, the Tri-County order. Attorney George Brockler is filing suit on behalf of the parents. The idea that we're going to convert parents and teachers into enforcers of this order at the risk of their own liberty, that's not America. And I think we have to stand up now when it's about masks, when we can all agree that the teachers should not be the ones in the line of fire in this scenario. 
Now, Tri-County Health does allow medical exemptions to its mask mandate, but Cole says her son has bloody noses and trouble breathing wearing a mask, not a medical condition. And again, she says at issue is whether teachers should be requiring him, or in some cases, she says, shaming him to wear a mask. District Attorney John Kellner says at this point he has not received any referrals for prosecution, but he says his office would review any cases referred to it uh, to see if they could be proved beyond a reasonable doubt. He does say there is the potential for criminal charges. Live in Parker, Sean Boyd covered. So insane. We have terrorists who have taken over the country. They did a long time ago, but essentially it's like, let's say, ISIS-K or whoever, or enforcing their, their secular Sharia. You can't leave your home, and even in your home, you should have your face covered. Essentially, we've all been uh, made to be like Muslim women under Sharia law, where we have no rights, where you gotta you got to have a face covering to do anything, where you need to get vaccinated to even go into the store with their vaccine passports that they're, they're putting into place all over the, the, the country and all over the world. People are tolerating this. It is so crazy. In a country where it's always been the land of the free and the home of the brave. Really? Really? Yeah, it sure sounds like it these days, doesn't it? I saw this video of this little child being forced. It looked like an infant or a toddler. The woman was just, uh, I think it was in a daycare, just kept putting the mask right over the child's face and he couldn't breathe, so he keeps ripping it down and crying. No, no, put it on. Put it on. She keeps strapping this thing onto its face as it's struggling to be free, struggling to breathe, as it's being smothered. This little boy, this poor little innocent boy being abused like this, and this is what happens all the time. We just don't see video of it. If it doesn't break your heart, then you're just soulless. If it doesn't make you want to go and do something about this, then, then I don't know what to tell you. Because when I see children being abused, I just can't stand idly by. And that's why I continue to do this show. That's why I continue to publish on Renegade Tribune. I mean, there are so many injustices in this world. But when you just abuse children, that's the lowest of the low. Which makes me want to play this, um, a little bit of this song here. Just as a, uh, I don't know, because I, because I thought of it. I heard these stories about teachers being forced to mask students and and all the rest of the insanity. YouTube is not currently available on this device? What the hell does that mean? Why would YouTube not be available on my Chrome browser? Really? Really, YouTube? That is just bizarre. I've never had this happen. Okay, I was just going to play the Pink Floyd song, Another Brick in the Wall Part 2. But hey, teachers... Leave those kids alone. How about that? How about I'll just say it? Speaking of that, <laughs> let's turn to the BBC. Warning on teachers' lack of Holocaust knowledge. These teachers just don't know about enough about the Holocaust. The teachers need a Holocaust class, just like the students. Major misconceptions about the Holocaust are common among teachers, research suggests. Most teachers in England lack the knowledge to combat common myths and falsehoods about the atrocity. You mean the uh, pedal-driven brain-bashing machine? I mean, because that's totally real. The shrunken heads? Totally real. The, the human skin, the Jew skin lamps? Lampshades? Totally real. 
The Jew fat soap, totally real. The masturbating machine, totally real. Different Jews from different regions giving off different smoke from the crematoria. Different colored smoke coming out of... Eli Wiesel, the weasel, said this one. Yeah, you gotta believe it. You gotta believe it. Different colored... Different Jews give off different colored smoke. It's just crazy. You know, the ones from the east, they might give off a bluish tint. Uh, the, uh, the ones from the west might give off a greenish tint. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, uh, this is based on research by University College London's Center for Holocaust Education. They said there had been improvements since a f similar study in 2019. But the researchers warned of real-world consequences from a lack of understanding. The research found most teachers did not know where or when the Holocaust began. Most could not correctly identify the proportion of the German population that was Jewish in 1933. Less than half knew that what the British government's response was to learning of the massacre of Jewish people. Almost a fifth of those with recent experience of teaching about the Holocaust had received no formal specialist training. They need a Holocaust class. UCL Associate Professor Andy, Dr. Andy Pierce said pupils could be developing skewed and fundamentally erroneous impressions of this period. Oh, they are. Oh, believe you me, they are. If one of the aims of teaching and learning about the Holocaust is to prevent the repetition of similar atrocities in the future, then we need to have secure knowledge and understanding of why this particular genocide happened, he said. As a society, we should have no tolerance for misunderstandings, myths, and mythologies about the Holocaust. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. Just not how, not how this guy is thinking. That can be a breeding ground for conspiracy theories and for revisionism and for denial and distortion. There are real-world consequences for these misconceptions and misunderstandings. Big headline, White Supremacy Ideology. The study was based on in-depth focus groups and a survey of 10, uh, 1,077 teachers, 96, uh, 964 of whom had received uh, or had recently taught the Holocaust. <laughs> taught the Holocaust. I love that. They've recently taught the Holocaust. Woking, the, really, Woking High School, that's, what, that's the name of this. Woking High School uh, head teacher Mike and Walter said accurate Holocaust education was particularly important after the pandemic when pupils had spent more time online often unsupervised. Woking High School. Okay. We have seen some signs in our community of a rise in white supremacy ideology, and it is a concern for most schools to try to tackle that, she said. Yes! Good job, students, getting out there and getting some, some real information. The Holocaust is not something that is irrelevant to the modern day. It is still very central to our lives, and it is essential it is taught well. <laughs> yeah. Hey, teachers, leave those kids alone. Oh, no, actually, keep teaching them. You could teach them about how the eagle and the bear would just tear apart these little poor Jews. You could teach them about Anne Frank's ballpoint pen. It's amazing how she got this advanced technology. I mean, just really, you know, teach them all about the Holocaust. You know, but just remember, it was real. It was real in my mind. <laughs> these goddamn liars. Oh, I am so sick of the liars. These same liars who are running the whole COVID-19 scam and all the pharmaceutical companies, uh, they're currently in complete control of the CDC, Pfizer. You, I mean, we've gone over this before. These people must be stopped. And look what they're doing. Look what they're doing to children. 
look at what they're doing with their gender studies and gender identity and all that other crap. And let's take a look at what a UK court recently ruled. <clears throat> they ruled that uh, children under 16 can get puberty-blocking drugs without parental consent. This is from AP News. Britain's Court of Appeal ruled Friday that doctors, excuse me, Papa bad, <clears throat> doctors can prescribe puberty-blocking drugs to children under 16, overturning a lower court's decision that a judge's approval should be needed. Appeals judges said the high court was wrong to rule last year that children considering gender reassignment are unlikely to be able to give informed consent to medical treatment involving drugs that delay puberty. The December 2020 ruling said that because of the experimental nature of the drugs, clinics should seek court authorization before starting such treatment. The Tavistock and Portman NHS Trust, oh, Tavistock, that's great, which runs the UK's main gender identity development service for children, appealed against that ruling. On Friday, the Court of Appeal agreed with the trust. The judges said that it was inappropriate for the high court to have given the guidance that said it was up to doctors to exercise their judgment about whether their patients can properly consent. Under 16s can't drive a car. They can't drink a beer. They can't, they can't vote. But they can decide that they, they don't want to go through puberty. Let's just, let's just take their word for it. We need to trust their decision-making abilities. Except we don't trust them at any other time. The trust welcomed the decision, saying it affirms that it is for doctors, not judges, to decide in the capacity of under 16 is to consent to medical treatment. Hormone blockers are drugs that can pause the development of puberty and are sometimes prescribed to help children with gender dysphoria by giving them more time to consider their options. And let's just take a look at the suicide rate among people who go transgender, which this is being pushed on all these children. It's insane. You know, regular children are killing themselves at absurd levels. But if you take a tranny child, they're so much more likely to be wanting to kill themselves. This does not help them. It hurts them. And really, that's what medical institutions are doing in general. It's harming people. It's not the Hippocratic Oath they take. They take the, the Hippocratic Oath. They do harm. Everything they do is harm, except they're not harming the pocketbooks of the pharmaceutical companies. That's for damn sure. Oh, my God. It's so sick. But you know what? Let's, let's end this little discussion here with some, something more positive. Let's just listen in as, uh, I guess, an instructor somewhere asks these children who are actually well-informed to talk about the dangers of vaccines. I don't know where this is from, but I, uh, it's inspiring to hear that some children are actually informed. This is a brief clip. So okay, so now I'm gonna ask you the same question with, uh, with vaccines. What's in a vaccine? Uh, Go ahead. Uh, different chemicals. Different chemicals? Um, chemicals that could really hurt you. Chemicals that can really hurt you? That have. That have really hurt you, okay. Absolutely right. Just take a few of them formaldehyde? Do you want that injected to you? And you, uh, how about mercury? It's a neurotoxin. How about aluminum? It's a neurotoxin. Put them both together. They're even more toxic. That's just a couple of small examples. Okay. It can poison your brain. Chemicals that can poison your brain. And make it so you're not smart. Such as mercury. So, did you say metals like mercury? Well, you guys are way smart. Sorbet. Polysorbate 80? Polysorbate, oh my goodness. We have some very smart kids here. So polysorbate 80, I wasn't even going to talk about that tonight, but what does polysorbate 80 do? It opens the brain 
the blood-brain barrier. So it makes it so chemicals can go into the brain and hurt the brain. Is that right? It can poison your body. Poison yes. your body. It can damage the brain. When it opens it, it can damage your brain. Okay, when your blood-brain yes, barrier gets open, it can damage your brain. Um, really bad at learning and stuff like It can that. cause learning problems. And it can cause body problems. Body problems, physical walking problems, problems, walking and problems. I already have my own problem. Okay, we're gonna, um, we're, lazy if, eye. Okay, well, we're gonna, t we're, I'm, let's save that for a little later and I will ask you, okay? Sometimes it can even make you mentally retarded. Sometimes it can even make you mentally retarded. Okay, <laughs> you guys are amazing. We gotta keep moving here, but you guys are amazing. I, I had no idea that you guys were gonna be able to go boom, 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 boom and give all of those answers. Every one of those answers were absolutely true. Vaccines can do that. Yeah, they can. And it's just great to see these children far smarter than uh, what, 95% of adults now? It might be higher than that. It's, man, it is hard being somebody who knows the truth in a world full of people who are just regurgitating lies. It's difficult. All right, guys, that is all I have for you here today. Please check out Renegade Tribune, heathenherbs.com. Thanks to anybody who has supported the network. If you'd like to do so, check out the sidebar on the site. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you all again soon. Class white, the fed is head